You're listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Welcome, Common fans. Well, the bowl game celebration, the uninhibited dance in the streets, is going to have to wait at least another week after the Huskers lose to Michigan State 20-17. to They fall to 5-4 and four overall, still one game short of that critical sixth win required for bowl eligibility. It was kind of an ugly one in East Lansing, friends. But as always on the Common Fan Podcast, we aim to bring you meaningful Husker content accompanied by heavy doses of fun and frivolity. And that won't change after a loss. So pull up a chair, Husker fans. Uh, your trusty Common Fans are here for another fireside chat. And we're looking get looking forward to getting into all the all the ugly details tonight. I am TJ Burkle alongside Maddie Owens Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening, TJ. Hello, Tyler. How are we doing? We're okay. I mean, we're okay. We're fine. We're fine. <laughs> Everything's good. fine. It's okay. Fight. Everything's live, fine. Yeah, we live to fight another day. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It's all good. We also, we also have the high honor this evening of being joined by former Husker offensive lineman, Matt Verzal. Matt was a member of two Nebraska national championship teams. He currently coaches offensive and defensive lines at Omaha Scott High School, and he's the owner of Paisan's Pizzeria in Omaha. So basically, the man knows what he's talking about, and everyone needs to listen and also get to Paisan's for some dinner sooner rather than later. Matt, it's awesome to have you with us tonight. Thank you so much for joining the Common Fans. Gentlemen, thanks for thanks for having me. Thank you for the very nice introduction. All too too generous. Oh, absolutely. We could have said a lot more. Yeah, before we get into anything serious, what's the best pizza at Paisons? Oh man, um, is so, that like try, is that like asking you to pick a favorite child? No, no. It's <laughs> um, if it's a it's a difficult question the the best one if you're looking at volume of course is just going to be a straight up pepperoni pizza but uh fat boy hoskinson has one on the menu he's got the host that one is canadian hamburger sausage pepperoni that one does pretty good so nice but you had some uh other pizzas that feature our cheese pizzas of 55 and for jp and cp so we keep it a little husker around here there you go uh, love it that, that's a pepperoni guy straight up that is all Oh, of course, Perhaps. Jeff. You are a common man. Yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. Reminder, friends, to follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at, at CommonFanGBR. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. And you can send all your hot takes and offensive play calling suggestions to CommonFanGBR at gmail.com. Let's get right to it, guys. Um, I got to say, as I was, I rewatched the game last night. So I watched it yesterday. Then I rewatched it last night, kind of thinking about what we were going to talk about tonight, how we were going to come at this. Uh, I was all over the map and I feel like kind of a walking contradiction, but just bear with me on a few things here. You know, yesterday at times it felt like we were running the ball pretty well. You know, when we committed to running the ball, Fleeks and Emmett Johnson and Anthony Grant, Grant 
we're breaking off runs of six, 10, 12 yards a pop. And so you kind of feel like, okay, the O-line has found its groove a bit. And then at the same time, it felt like a lot of times when Harburg dropped back to pass, he was just running for his life. Right. Um, you know, with regard to the passing game, it felt like sometimes Harburg, you know, Heinrich Harburg, God bless him. We love him. William Wallace. Uh, sometimes it feels like he's nowhere close on some of those passes. And other times, you know, he, he throws a dart that hits the receiver in stride. You know, I'm thinking of the one to Fedoni and the seam in the first half. And then yes. late in the game, all, I think he was out of the end zone hitting Malachi Coleman uh, on that pass that kind of like just perfectly uh, sailed over the the Michigan State defenders and, and right into Malachi Coleman's arms. And so you see you kind of see the good and the bad there and then even watching the defense which you know we have praised all season long you know i I don't know what it was guys and this probably isn't totally fair they they didn't seem quite as dominant right they felt a little more leaky than normal and it kind of felt like is this is this team a step step slow are they getting out hustled but you look at the numbers they gave up a total of 295 yards so under 300 yards um, they held Michigan State to 63 yards rushing, so another game of holding an opponent to under 100 yards rushing. And I, I actually thought uh, by the eye test that we were getting having trouble getting off the field on third down. We held Michigan State to three of 14 on third down uh, and four seven punts as well. And so it's just kind of like, what do we make of this? It didn't look great. It felt sloppy. Obviously, the turnovers are killer. Um, we also had some bad calls go against us. So clearly the college football industrial complex doesn't like that. We've won three in a row. They're you trying to have that down, you know, but, but that's no, like, that's no excuse. We didn't play well enough to win. And we'll probably get into some of those bad calls and they were atrocious, but, but we also just, just killed ourselves. Um, uh, and then I, but I must say, then Geoff, sorry, one second. Like hmm? I, after all of that, I, I think I had like a moment of, of peace or clarity. Right. And it was just this, like, this is where we are right now and i know husker fans don't want to hear it sometimes and understandably so but it's year one of new coach and the two teams yesterday probably weren't that far apart talent wise and whether you think this is a total rebuild or you think we're not that far off from the top dogs in the conference either way we're coming off of six straight losing seasons we're transitioning with yet another new staff and so we can call it growing pains we can call it whatever we want you know, unfortunately, this probably won't be the last, you know, last game where we're where we're throwing our hats and doing the backwards couch punch and and yelling at the TV. Um, and look, it's it, it it's fun to engage in the conversations about winning the West. And, and even after yesterday, we're still in that conversation. Um, and that, so let's enjoy that. Right. But we also just need to be level headed, as we've said all along. The step one, getting over the hump, sort of first next step is getting that sixth win, getting to a bowl game. That's still the goal here, guys. And at least, you know, the way I feel is at least when we have these, you know, we go three steps forward, one step back kind of thing. When we have these steps back a little bit, it feels like these rougher moments are at least in service of building something more sustainable and building something better and coach rule clearly knows what he wants to build what's to be wants to be excuse me what he wants to build and he's in the process of setting that foundation and you know hopefully a couple years from now not only is the foundation set but we're off and running but right now they're still putting that foundation in place 
Well, what I was going to chime in with earlier, TJ, as you said, what are, what, are, what are we seeing or what are we making of this? And I think what we're seeing, what we're making of it is exactly what we knew it was coming. We've discussed it in previous podcasts that our defense literally has to play perfect in order for us to win games. And so when we do have a down game where I, th- I don't think our defense played bad, I think we are just so used to them over the last couple of games playing so damn good that a small, tiny little slip-up where we're not playing as good as we did the last two or three games before makes them look bad in our eyes because we're used to them playing so well. And then again, if you don't play perfect on D, it's really tough right now with the offense that we have to stay in these games or at least keep them close. So from my perspective, I'm not really disappointed. I'm just, I was waiting for it to happen and we knew it was going to come eventually. So hopefully he's got out of the way now. Yeah. Um, we get, we've got two mats on this, on this podcast and Matt Verzal, I'm curious, just kind of your, your take on what you saw yesterday. Um, always love, you know, we're three, uh, three common fans who played varying levels of high school football, but as a guy who played at a high level uh, and, and follows the team very closely um, just kind of curious, curious what you saw yesterday. Yeah. It, as, as the game progressed. Okay. <clears throat> and, and you got to give credit where credit is due. Michigan state had a good game plan. They found some things they liked. They were able to take advantage, but when Nebraska struggled, it was just untimely. Now, if you look at what it took for them to get in position to score two touchdowns, that a halfback pass, so a traditional, a little bit of discipline in the coverage part, yep. probably want to come up and make a big hit because you don't think that's something that's going to happen. And then you have a, a, a call that's – you don't want to complain about officiating, but you probably want to have somebody explain to you how that call was made because yep. – Dean Blandino's done that for a while. He, for the second time this year, sided on Nebraska's side. The referees chose not to. Right. So that's what it takes for them to have a bad day. They they still are the highlight of anything that, that could ever happen right now at Nebraska. And it's something I'm super excited about that they can that they can build the foundation of this program on defense. They can build it on a tradition that's awesome. The Blackshirt tradition is phenomenal. I got the chance to talk with Jay Form this morning. I do a show called Husker Hangover every Sunday morning. Yeah. It's on YouTube from eight to ten. And Jay was on and you know, just a good buddy at Blackshirt. You can see they have a whole pride in which what Coach White and his crew are doing. So it, it takes odd things to beat them, but there are gonna be games when one side of the ball is not what it's been the rest of the year. And that other side of the ball being offense in this instance has to pick up their game. Yep. And that probably was the most disheartening thing to me in the Michigan State game is they could never find a rhythm. Now, Harburg isn't calling his own plays. So, right. Kelly Satterfield probably needs to answer some questions. Um, I don't think the rhythm of his play calls is very good. I, I think probably need to work some flow to it where once you establish some positive run, Heinrich Harburg does a great job on play action pass. Heinrich Harburg is not a, a let's all run nine routes and chuck it down the field guy. Right. He, he wants it. He, he needs the safety to be displaced. And then he put the ball in the mud a couple weeks ago. So you have to call those plays to accentuate the strengths of your team. And even an ugly two yard run makes a safety anxious. 
it's a linebacker position. Where you can then get Fadone, you know, more involved. I thought using him yesterday was great. Yeah. But so much of what they need to do comes off of play action, and they, the truth be told, they let their defense down yesterday. Their defense wasn't what we're used to it being, but it was still good enough to win a game. They gave up 20 points total. That you, you should be able to still go out and win when your defense gives up points. Absolutely. Right. And if you look at if you look at the last three times Michigan State had the ball, it was three plays, nine yards, punt, three plays, yep. six yards, punt, and then four plays, one yard, and a missed field goal. And out of those, we had a touchdown and a fumble, and then ended the game with the ball. And so you're absolutely that if we had one more scoring drive. We win the game. Just one scoring drive in the second half, and they couldn't do it. They, I mean, the offense collectively, coaches, players, just I, I felt kind of like sh- kind of shit their pants the second half. So yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, I think I think Michigan State was was ready for them. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't isn't that Michigan State's last home game? Yeah, it was Senior Day, and so That's for right. all the for all the the shit they've been through. The whole time, that's you needed to sell that. Like, hey, these guys are going to be amped up. If you think you're going to roll in here and they're going to lay over or lay down, you're wrong. So, yeah. get your game right. Make sure you. Yeah. It's really the first time in a Nebraska game in the rural era that I I didn't feel they were they were themselves. You know, they they, they it just something looked off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dudes that care yeah. about their senior class and those guys, like I said, have been through a bunch and they went out and they played their asses off and they won. Yeah. yeah, you know, I saw. I'm starting to jump in here before we keep talking about this game. But I saw a crazy stat yesterday. Actually, I think it was this morning. <laughs> we are like one in twenty-one in the last twenty-some eleven a.m. kick road games. Like the, I think the last time we won was 2014 against Iowa. And I don't. So I don't know what. There's all those weird stats about Nebraska, right? Like we've all heard about the turnover margin in the last 19, 20 years. But I just found that to be absolutely crazy. Like I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a CFIC college football industrial complex <laughs> thing, or, totally or what is. it is. But the fact that we've we we pretty much have always lost 11 a.m. kickoff road games. I mean, let's let's be real. We haven't won a ton of games the last number of years, but still. That just blows my mind. Um, Matt Verzal, you 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 mentioned you know some of the play calling. Um, and we make we make a point on here often, like I sometimes we could probably be accused of being run the ball guys, right? But like mm-hmm. we're not we're not stuck on, you know, we we all value building a program on power football strong defense, strong running game. And we all, you know, we all grew up in the nineties watching those great teams that you were a part of. Um, But um, we also say, you know, that's not, that doesn't mean we want to be Iowa or Minnesota. Like we're all for some explosive plays. We're all for being able to sling it around if you have the right personnel. But I felt like yesterday, right out of the gate, you know, that six yard run to fleeks, um, that kind of like sweep looking thing. And, and there were several times when Emma Johnson, Anthony Grant, you know, those guys were getting, you know, like I said, six, eight yards. There's, there's part of me to your point about doing what you do well. 
there's part of me that isn't there, isn't there something to be considered there to say, just keep doing it until they stop you. Again, I understand you have to be able to throw the ball and, and we're not trying to be, uh, you know, a service Academy here or something like that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, just like you said, have, seeing Harburg drop straight back and, and, and try to throw the ball in, the, in that setting is just, it's just maddening sometimes. I have a question for you though. Why? Well, like I understand at some point in time you need to throw the football. But why would you want to to go away from things that work? Exactly. Well, that, right. that, I guess that's what I'm saying. I guess I guess no. When I say I guess you need to throw the no, football, it's it's more me thinking that uh, these offensive yeah. coordinators know a lot more than I do, and so you probably have nope. to throw it up to wrong. get balance, right? <laughs> wrong. <laughs> good. I've, uh, that's good. Offensive <laughs> coordinators. There ain't but there ain't but six dudes in college football that can call plays. That's fact. <laughs> The rest of them want to show you how huge their brain is and how great their play design is. And it's absolute crap. It is 100% crap because you're telling me, and this is not a, a shot at Satterfield. You're telling me as an offensive coordinator at any school in the country, you have something working and you want to stray away from that to show me that you can throw a 15 yard out that now has the potential, potential to get tipped, to get picked, to get dropped. All those things are bad. Or I know I've got, I've got five linemen who have been persecuted for a year, rightfully so, that are now kind of getting frothed up. And they're like, hey, man, we got this. Let us run this 35, 40 times. Let us feel this. This feels awesome. Let us break the will of the defense, and then you can play catch. You can get your seven-on-seven seven crap out there and run your crossing routes and all this bullshit. But right now, we are feeling it. We haven't felt this before. Please just leave us alone. Keep calling the running plays and let us do what we do. Let us break the spirit. There is no better feeling in sport. Okay? And the only reason I know this is because after the dudes that started did this during the Nebraska games, then I got to come in. These like these guys are whooped. This is awesome. <laughs> They're just ready to quit. But when you break a man's spirit physically, you physically dominate them. It scars them. It really does. <laughs> they will talk about it forever. But it also builds you up. Think about those dudes that still walk around. Your Zach Wiegert, your Aaron Taylor's, your Rob Zaskis, Styes, Wilkes, Grams, Ditchman's, Trues, Andersons, Zaskis. Others ask us, Joel Wilkes, they all feel, they watch them walk, watch them get on camera. They still got swag about it. They know, they know they beat the best and they made the best quit. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying Michigan State's the best, but you had a rhythm going where, where nobody on that Michigan State field liked what was happening. And they were ready not to give up but to have to start to change things the way that they wanted to do in the game. And they didn't want to do that. But then you start going air Husker and, you know, throw a couple arm punts and now we don't have the ball anymore. And it's hard to score when you don't have the ball. Yeah. It, it's, you got to give those big dudes a chance to get lathered up, get frothed up. Be like, Hey, we, you want us to lead this thing. Let us lead it. Call the plays where we can lead it. Let's do that. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad to hear you say, 
I'm glad to hear you say that. That felt like the thing that was working yesterday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it felt like, you know, we could have just leaned into that. And again, I don't know if it would have been different. Who knows? Um, But we certainly didn't help ourselves yesterday. Um, All right. Sorry, were you going to say something there? No, but I just said truth. I agreed. Got it. Got it. Okay. I apologize for my lack of technical skill that I can't see everybody when the transitions come with the questions, but Zoom and me weren't getting along. <laughs> no, no problem. Like we said, just just happy to have you here. Um, all right. So as fellow common fans know, you know, when we do our game recaps, we don't go through every play. We don't go drive by drive breakdowns. We pull out some high points, some low points, um, some top line takeaways. And, you know, we want to talk through some bigger picture themes tonight as well. So we'll be relatively brief with just kind of what we saw on the field. Um, You know, and I'll jump, I'll jump right in guys. I'm pretty quickly going to just jump to the second half. I mean, for me, the first half was fine, right? Um, There were some times like we've just been discussing where I felt like we were moving the ball and we didn't need to throw the ball on first down. And we did. So yeah, certainly things to nitpick, but Hey guys, Going 10-10 going into halftime on the road against a team that's traditionally been a pretty good Big Ten team. Obviously, they're two and six this year, but there's more to that story. Uh, like Matt, like you pointed out, it's senior day for these guys. They've been through a lot. You know, they had the whole Mel Tucker situation. And so, you know, we're we're getting their best shot. That you know, probably pretty good, pretty good talent on that side of the ball. So going at halftime 10-10, you know. I was pretty happy with that personally. Um, we get the ball and then and we get the ball to start the half, right? Um, and so we get the ball to start the half. And of course, um, we end up having to punt. Um, Michigan State's first possession, they go down and kick a field goal to make it 13-10. And that came with 5-11 left in the third quarter. So um, just think about this, guys. Our next four possessions after that, we go punt, 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 interception. So counting that first possession, counting that first possession before Michigan State's field goal, we went four punts and an interception. So, you know, as bad as that looked and as bad as it felt, it's still only 13-10 going into the fourth. But this is where, Geoff, the point you made started creeping in for me. I legitimately started thinking to myself, what if we can't even get three more points? Like what, like what if this offense that that's the, when the, the off, when the offense is this bad, the margin for error is so small and you're basically begging the defense to make a play or special teams to make a play or hoping for, for something, you know, lucky to happen on offense or something. And then of course there was this just backbreaking series of events. So um, kind of end of third, early fourth quarter, the black shirts get a big stop at uh, the black shirts get a big stop and Michigan state was sort of borderline field goal range. We get a couple of sack. That was the one where the, with the James Williams sack right at the end. And we push them back to like fourth and 23 and the Spartans have to punt. Then we, <coughs> excuse me. Then we fair catch the punt at the six yard line, which oh, so, I don't know, I don't know how many why times we, keep doing we that. did that. So right. that's that's my question right there. And, and maybe Matt, maybe you would give us some insight into that. I was flabbergasted by that. Why do you not let the ball maybe roll into the end zone or see if it bounces the other way? Why are we fair catching that close to our own end zone? I'm just curious of what your thoughts would be on that because I didn't know. You know, they'll give the returner 
quite a bit of leeway. Um, if they've scouted, I, I don't scout punters. I, I don't. As may, that kid may have had a very adept ability to to kill a ball at the five or inside of the five. So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those things. That's probably a coaching thing. Like it used to be back in the olden days when I played, it's like feet at the ten ball goes over your head, let it go, because nobody at that time punting, they were just trying to literally, you know, now you've got these guys that can drop it, kick it on the on the, on the the nose and, and make it backspin yeah. or spin sideways and all that stuff. So I would guess that was probably a coaching point that their punter was good at it. So it was feet at the five, catch it, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's – it happens sometimes, you know, sometimes you get caught with it. it. It sucks for us, but it's the way it went. Yep. All right. So, so we fair, fair catch it at the six yard line. We go th- immediately go three and out <laughs> and then we punt it and don't even get it to the 50 Michigan state returns it inside the 40 yard line. So a couple of plays later then was the touchdown reception. That wasn't really a reception. And as, as you, Matt Verzal said, I think you had Dean Blandino, Tim Brando, Spencer Tillman, literally everyone was saying that that's not a catch. And by the way, side note here, guys, for those of us watching on TV, did you, did it feel like the ref was a little a little dramatic? Dramatic, there? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> R- ruling on the field. <laughs> I mean, dramatic pause. Stands. Ruling on the field. Stance. Yeah. Like was, what? <laughs> was I the only one that thought that we were watching like an episode of Maury Povich? There, like he was going to be like, <laughs> you are. Not the father. Not the father. <laughs> yeah. It was unnecessary. Oh my gosh. That was so annoying. Um, but now it's 20 to 10. And this is like exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's like, holy smokes, this feels insurmountable with um the way the offense is playing. Um, and then you know, it was about six, six minutes to go, a little over six minutes to go when we're driving actually. There was that atrocious non-pass interference call on Malachi Coleman. Um, again, just terrible, terrible no call there. But then next next play, we throw a pick. Um, it wasn't even close. Um, and this is where, to, back to your point, Matt Owens, this is where like the defense really stepped up, right? Yeah. So this is where we started getting stop after stop, right? And by the by the way, what was missing? I think on all three of those final drives, Michigan State threw it at least once. Like threw it in complete. Yeah, yeah. they kept the throwing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. what were they doing? I don't know if this interim coach was just like, "I'm having, I'm gonna have fun with this, baby." You know, yeah. like, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking there. Um, mm-hmm. but but you know, Holy credit God. to the black, credit to the black shirts too, for for the stops that they were making. And it was, guys, I just I noted the times on these things. So it was three thirty five when we score. So it was a broken play. Credit to Heinrich Harburg, aka William Wallace, for. Uh, going about, I don't know how 40, 50 yards, whatever it was. And then Emmett Johnson punched it in, I think a play or two later. Um, so it's 2017. Michigan State gets the ball, throws it again. Idiots. Um, so we, so it's <laughs> remar- remarkably, we get it back a minute later. We, there was only a minute of game clock burned there. So we had 232 down 2017, plenty of time. Um, and then, of course, we fumble, get it back again with 43 seconds left. Um, you know, again, some questionable play calling again on that very last drive. Um, but but still, I, I don't know about you guys. The, the, I, I should be probably more of a homer here. I just didn't have a lot of hope 
even when we kept getting the ball back, I just didn't really feel like we could punch it in. And I think I texted the group of guys, fellas, like, uh, well, I think it was right before we got the ball back the very last time. Cause I didn't, I thought the game was over at that point. It was like, yeah, it's 2017, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it was that close watching it. And maybe that was being frustrated in the moment. Obviously we, we gave ourselves a chance. We put ourselves in position to have a chance to win the game. But honestly, obviously I hoped we could pull something out of our sleeve watching that offense, the entire second half. I didn't think it was likely. No. And even, even when we got it back with 43 seconds left where we were on the field, it was like, I still thought even though as bad as things had gone, well, God, I was like, gosh, it's two plays, get it to the 35 and let Alvano have a shot at a 52 yarder to tie it. Um, right, right. Now the odds of that happening were probably 10% or, or maybe not even that good, but it still didn't seem to me like something that was totally impossible. Um, but like you said, TJ, knowing the way things have been going, it kind of almost felt that way. I will be completely honest here. Uh, when we didn't score and we gave them the ball back with, and, I basically shut the TV off after that last, second to last drive because I thought the game was over. So I switched over to Notre Dame game because I wanted to see inevitably how oh, we were going to suck that game out. And it was going to be awesome. I know things didn't work out great. Go Irish. But what I was going Jeff. to say yeah. is that Jeff. No, they, they lost Jeff. They lost <laughs> Jeff. This is a Husker football podcast. Jeff. All right. Sorry. Sorry. We don't sorry. discuss the Irish at the table. I blacked out for a second. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I turned the game off and I went to the bathroom, started going about my days. I thought it was over. And then I saw, started seeing our text message thread blow up that we were, you know, play by play calls on our text message thread. And that's what I was most astonished about is that Michigan state still did everything that they could to put us in a position to win that game. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. So that I had to turn yeah. the game back on, rewind it and rewatch that entire last series of plays. Well, they, they tried to hand it to us. Um, just couldn't get over the hump. Look, like we said, um, it's fun to talk about being in the race to win the West. That doesn't mean that these issues that have been there all year are magically going to go away, right? This offense kind of is what it is. You hope to God that they can figure, maybe narrow it down, figure something out for the last three games, figure out a handful of things that they do well, because guess what, guys? Maryland's lost four in a row. Wisconsin just lost to Indiana. Iowa has the worst offense in the history of football. Like we can win these games, guys. We can win at least one of these games. I still think it's possible we can win two or three or even win out. Um, and we've just, we've got to find a way to at least one more win in a bowl game. So, um, you know, you just, you got to tell yourself that this is a building process. I think rules made tons yeah. of progress, tons of progress in a lot of areas. And so, um, you know, hopefully they can take something like, like they did after the Michigan game. Look, they bounced back after the Michigan loss. They won three in a row. They played a lot better. So you hope to see something similar this time here. Um, all right, we're going to do corn cobs. And then I'd like to pivot to a couple bigger picture things. Uh, Mr. Verzal, if you got a few more minutes to stick with us, would love to dig in a little bit more on the offensive line in particular. Um, well, hold, like to... hold on before you go too far. Okay. okay. So I just, I just explained to you. Offensive coordinators want to show you their skills. That's why Michigan State throws the ball the way they do. I see. Yes, there you go. Clock, like clock management, be damned. They don't. Yeah. They so, don't give two shits about clock management. So why? Because we really never should have got it back. 
are they oh, constantly totally. yeah, exactly are they constantly auditioning for a job is it constantly like an interview for some of these people that they just want the world to see what they're capable of to take that next step to a different gig like is is that what that is or why in, their, why? in their minds yes gotcha in, in their minds they don't realize there's so much more that goes like they would probably earn more respect if you would just manage the clock and make it impossible Right. Like you eliminate any drama. You're it's it's a twenty to ten win, and you're and ball game's over. Like there's nothing you can do. Like that's that's what like a real coach, how a real coach would manage the game. Like that's how that would go. So the, the Matt, bigger point to me. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Because I'm gonna move on. Well, to I was gonna else. ask you. So why doesn't is it is the head coach have too much going on? And to step in at those moments because i mean shouldn't the head coach or or somebody on the staff be like uh, what, 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 the defensive coordinator probably is like are you kidding me you know like why doesn't somebody <laughs> step in here? don't do that yeah, right okay i'm i'm not saying this factors in to all but to some it will factor in so everybody's favorite coach prime out in colorado right that little buddy come in from kent state that ran 800 plays a game yeah, right. Sean Lewis. And then you start doing that, and that ain't working. And now he put him on the – he's like, well, you're done. Shermer, you're calling plays now. What's everybody do? They attack Dion. Oh, my God, how can he do this? He brought this guy in to call plays. Now he's not letting him call plays. Yeah. You, as the head coach, you are judge, jury, executioner. Yeah. You, you are the end. You are the alpha and the omega. There's nothing that – if you don't like the way that goes, your headset connects to that guy. You're saying, no, dog, we ain't doing that. You're going to run this thing. We're going to bleed clock. I think we can get two first downs. We get two first downs. The four-minute drill is complete, and this game is over. Yep. So I don't care what, what out-route combination you want to run, what flood <laughs> setup you want to do. You're doing this, and we are getting out of here. We don't want to give them any chance. Right? Yep. Yep. Now, people in established programs will do that. Yeah. People that are in flux like Michigan State or are trying to build something like Nebraska – probably will be a little what seems to some different than that norm. Yeah. Because right now what they just want to see is their kids fight. And we've watched Nebraska games for the past six years that they, they haven't done anything. You put this same set of kids that we've seen before in that position years ago, that's 20 to 10 ball game, but they fought and they yeah. came back. They did not yeah. win. There are no moral victories, yep. but the little things like that, that rule and his crew have been able to accomplish. Yep. Those that like watch the game, see that. And they're like, wow, they have an opportunity to get there. Like they have an opportunity. Now I know everybody wants to bitch about the refs. Good calls or calls in your favor are earned. They are referees will not tell you that, but they know what your program is. They know how it goes and they know when they need to throw the flag and when they don't, or when they need to call incomplete or when they don't like that's, that's truth. So as Nebraska progresses on and we're, we're even at five wins, we got house money. Every other turnaround rules ever taken. They win one, two games the first year. Exactly. Okay? Yeah. This is a four-win team from last year. Same pretty much dudes. You got a different couple pieces in there. But that defense, Omar Brown is probably your most prevalent transfer, right? 
Like right. he, he was a kid that came in, but I don't know which other ones. You've had a lot of these guys. Yeah. The coach White has turned like the job he's done taking the pieces they had. They have probably four to five defensive linemen. Can you imagine when they get six to seven? Yeah. Like when they get six to seven defensive linemen, you're looking at guys that aren't going to get tired. Like it's it's what they are accomplishing with the, with the pieces they had from the year before that didn't look the best at times. You got three more games to win. Yeah, you got three more games to go play. You got three more chances. And now you're going to skew all expectation if you catch lightning in a bottle. And you, I'm not saying they're going to, but if you win the last three, Nebraska fan will be booking 2024 CFP tickets tomorrow <laughs> for yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> But they're oh, so God. far ahead of, of schedule, just instilling discipline in their team, just yeah. instilling belief in their team, and just instilling team in their team. Yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's cool to watch. It is. It is cool to watch. I I totally yeah. agree. They are ahead of schedule. We lose a lot of sleep on this program thinking about Tony White getting offered a head coaching job. So I really <laughs> hope you know. Trev, if you're listening, let's back up the Brinks truck, pay that man whatever he wants. He's probably going to get a head coaching job someday, but let's hold on to him as long as we can. And to the broader point, I totally agree. I think that's, you know, kind of something that's been missing with all the coaching changes and philosophical changes and all that, this culture piece that is clearly such a, so important to, to coach rule. And he's clearly like instilling something and making progress in year one. I think that's, what's most exciting, right? Is that they really are. We talk about building that foundation and that that's really happening. And so it gives Husker fans hope for the future, but yeah. um, man, we've, we've just give me that sixth win. Get me to whatever bowl. And, uh, and we're really, we're really yeah. dancing in the streets. I would the Van- say Vandalay industries bowl, the yeah. Vandalay industries bowl in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, please. Yeah. Matt, as a Husker fan, what well, for you guys? What for you guys out of the last three is your best chance to win? Well, next, I mean, probably next Saturday. I would say Maryland, yeah, because I don't think whiskey whiskey is going to be easy, and I don't want our hopes resting on Iowa. So I, I would, I, I don't want to. I, I feel like even in years when when either Nebraska or Iowa is really good, the other one's not really good. You you never want your bull hopes to come down to that game. Crazy mm-hmm. shit happens in that game. You just like, I agree. Like, I think it's got to be Maryland. They lost to uh, Northwestern and Illinois, right? So and they got and they got absolutely pummeled by Penn State. On I mean, I, they're I yeah. think they're a pretty wounded animal. But I I thought the same thing about Michigan State. I mean, exactly. they had lost right. six straight. But yep. you know, you talk about like what what uh, what Matt said about how you know it's, it's senior day, and that does mean something. Um, and all this stuff yeah their last last home game and and so i don't know but i i think it's next week i hope so i I said i said it's a must win yeah for sure yeah i was hoping i was hoping also be about 22 degrees but that ain't gonna happen it's gonna be like 50 so yeah two of my logo is really gonna be that stoked about playing in freezing cold temperatures but we ain't gonna get that so right 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 the one thing I was going to say, Matt, is I respect your opinion, but uh, I will disagree. It's the ref's fault. It's always the ref's fault. It's always going to be the ref's fault. <laughs> yeah, that's just a typical, typical G off and Lincoln comment. Standard. <laughs> and I, it sucks, but the yep. way it's gone with refereeing, we we're just going to have to. You guys, are you all pious guys? Yes, yes sir. Yes. Yep. 
Okay. So I coach at a Catholic school. You went to a Catholic school. I just tell our boys when we go on the road, I'm like, listen, we are going to go on the road. Okay. In the town you live in, they do not like us. Every mile further west you go, you just amplify that even further. So there's going to be, we play Grand Isle Northwest this year. Like there's going to be three calls in that game that will not go our way and they won't make any sense to you. And all I want you to do is clap your hands and walk away. That's it. Because <laughs> they're going to happen. Just mentally prepare for them to happen. Yep. And when you can mentally get over the hurdle, then you're like, all right, we knew it was going to happen. Let's just keep moving. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait till the, to the point where it doesn't matter when bad calls go against us. Um, because, there you go. You know, we're going to win yeah. anyway. Right. All right, guys, let's do corn cobs really quick. Cause I want to get into some other things um, this evening. Geoff, who do you got? Well, I always go with the sexy pick, the Hollywood pick, the big play pick. You, just, you, you, you yourself are sexy. So that I, makes thank sense. you. Thank you yeah, very much. I, Matt, if you could see me right now, he's not lying. I am an attractive <laughs> um, Do you have the mustache? Do you I, have do, the mustache? I do have the mustache. Yeah. Yep. There You're a right sexy son bitch. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Um, but I went with Emmett Johnson just uh, with that one touchdown when we needed it the most. I, for a while there, we talked before, I thought in my head, I thought Harburg scored that touchdown, but he got drugged down early, but I give it to Emmett Johnson for that. Um, and he led the team in rushing. So that's always a good thing. There wasn't really anything Hollywood-esque about this game, which really kind of bums me out. Um, honorable mention, I will give a corn cob to Heinrich Harburg's face mask for staying on because I'm pretty sure that dude's hand is still stuck in there as we speak. So I'll give my corn, corn cob to uh, William Wallace's face mask as well. Listen, the board, the board did not approve you giving an honorable mention, but we'll, well I'm sorry in this moment <laughs> at this point, yeah. uh, Matteo. Um, like Geoff kind of referenced that it was kind of hard to come up with somebody to give a corn cub to for this one. And, um, you know, I've, I've already given one to Jamari Butler and a couple of the guys coming off the edge on D. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Fedoni. Um, he looked great on that seam route and God, I, I just wish we could get that guy, the ball four or Absolutely. five more times a game, whether it's out in the flat, let him try to make a guy miss or, or that seam route again, somehow getting the, get him in the ball up the middle or, or throw it to him in the back corner of the end zone or something. You know, I think that guy, like I've said it before on this podcast, I think he's one of the few guys that just has that killer instinct on our offense. Um, so I'm going with, with Tommy Fedoni. Um, big fan of that guy, and, and I hope we can get him the ball more. Corn Cobb, Tony Fedoni. Tony Fedoni. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with Luke Reimer. He led the team in tackles with seven total, uh, had a tackle for loss, had half a sack. Um, I mean, the, the guy is such a gamer. He's he's a you know c- senior. He's been He's been making impact plays for four years, going back to his true freshman year. And honestly, we could literally probably give him a corn cob every game. Like even when maybe someone else makes a flashier play, Reimer is just so damn tough. Um, he makes so many tackles. He does the little things right. So huge fan of Luke Reimer. My corn cob goes to him. Mr. Verzal, do you have uh, do you have a corn cob you'd like to deliver? I don't know all the rules to the corn cob. It has to be a player, but you mentioned my corn cob recipient earlier in the podcast. But mine would go to Coach Tony White. Um, with that, that's allowed. That's allowed. That's twice. How now. they how they operate. Um, I just 
and I, the, the other part is they subtly incorporate young guys in there. All of a sudden, you'll you'll be watching like, whoa, what what number is that guy? Like, who is that? Right, <laughs> right. And they make yes. a play. So they're in in a controlled manner. Um, it was, it's reminiscent of the way that you used to get indoctrinated into the offensive line back in the day. Like we were playing Texas tech and it was probably second or third series, maybe fourth. And coach young comes over and goes, you're up next. And I was like, for what? And he goes, <laughs> you're going in the game. I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah, but they, they would, they would get <clears throat> mildly comfortable and then they would throw you in the fire. And be right. How does this go? And I went in and I graded good, and I was like, "Damn, that was sweet." And then you kind of get addicted to it, right? And then you want that more, and you want to be in and go again. It just happened. I was there at a rough time. There's about six or seven All Americans that played my position. So, <laughs> but it, it was <laughs> it, that's that's cool to see them do that because that's how you build your longevity. Like that's yeah. how you. <clears throat> where it's not a reboot and you don't have the article that you have to write says, well, they're going to have a good defense, but they've got to find seven players. And it's like, well, this guy played, you know, 50 some odd snaps during the year. So he's got a pretty good grasp. So it was, it's cool to watch them work. And then I, I'm on board. I, I think somebody said it earlier, but whatever fancy titles you have to give, I think we have a, what do we have open up there? Chancellor or something. Just make him the chancellor <laughs> of Nebraska slash defensive coordinator. He can he can do both of those jobs. There you but go. Pay him for both. Perfect. Pay him yep. for both yep. and, and go. Yep. But he's he's worth every penny they spent, and they really need to be. He needs to be their highest priority. And I know this is based off of one year, but I want to see even if it's just a one year big fat extension. I want to see what they can do when they get more talent that they're able to, to, to choose instead of the guys that they were given. Mm -hmm. It'll be, it'll be cool to see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So want a couple, want to talk about a couple sort of bigger picture things with this team. And especially it's uh, Mr. Verzal. We've, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a long time on this podcast. And now, now we've got an expert such as yourself, but let's talk about the offensive line a little bit. Mm -hmm. You look, you look at yesterday in Michigan state had seven sacks. They limited the Huskers to 148 yards rushing total. At the same time, we have the number one rushing offense in the big 10. You know, we're at over 185 yards rushing per game. Again, the eye test untrained guys like us, we're not X's and O's guys. We're not coaches. It feels like maybe that's, you know, that's built on some big plays, which are great. That's built on a lot of QB run, which is great. It doesn't totally feel like though, that the O-line has been just dominating and that we're able to run the ball at will. And it's a little bit more of Harburg being really athletic and getting loose, running some option. Again, we love the option. That's great. But um, maybe there's more there than meets the eye. When you look at that number one uh, rushing ranking in the conference. Um, and then I'll also grant that, you know, there's probably lots of things that, that fellow common fans don't know are going on when they're happening, right? Maybe the quarterback holds the ball too long on some of those sacks, right? Maybe a receiver's in the wrong spot. Maybe one lineman made the wrong read. And so the other one who got beat, it wasn't actually his fault. 
maybe the running back turned the wrong, you know, didn't, didn't follow the hole or something. So there's probably a lot going on there that we don't see, but we want to just have a kind of an objective conversation on the offensive line. Um, it, it just feels like it's been one of those things for years now that has been a continue, you know, you know, if just felt, it felt like guys were getting beat yesterday. It felt like they would rush four against five and get home yesterday at times. Um, and that feels like it should never happen. Um, so, you know, Matt Verzal just would love, I mean, I, I don't know that I just said a lot. I'm sorry, babbling here a little bit, but you're fine. Um, would love your take on, it all out. on this, on this outline. <laughs> like, what do they do? Breathe, well? TJ, what, breathe. What, what do they need to get better at? Like, and and why can't we seem to figure this out at the university of Nebraska, which like you said, there were about used to be about five deep and all Americans not that long ago at the offensive line positions. Mm -hmm. So the big, the big thing that, that has changed in football and maybe basically just in society. Okay. The big kid, the big athlete. Okay. Back when I was in school, you, you came to, you had guys that were able to go, run at a at a intramural game right zach weird hell of a basketball player Corey micah's had him true like they they can hoop chris dishman was the wrestler you know i was a baseball guy but you 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 had big kids that were athletes okay we have big kids now that are now forced to just specialize in being a big kid so your off season is, is if you don't wrestle, which I think they all should wrestle. Now the ones that don't want to or don't have that in, I make recommendations to get into jujitsu, judo, something along those lines. That that's where you understand your hips or how your hips work, how you you your coordination in that, how you how you generate explosion. You know, basketball is great with that. Wrestling is great with that, but those big kids now don't make these elite travel AAU let's play 47 basketball games in two days <laughs> kind of setups. Yeah. They, they don't fit into that mold anymore. So they don't really have a destination. That's why the niche that I have is, is taking kids in the off season. Like, listen, we're going to go get you so technically sound that, that by the time a college coach looks at you, like, how did you, what happened here? How did you get to this point? It's like, well, I've been working on my footwork. I've been working on my punch. I've been working on my explosion, you know, since I got cut from the basketball team as a sophomore. Because if they're playing, if I've got kids that are playing a sport, I won't work football drills with them. If, if you're playing in a sport and competing, then you we wait until your season's over, then we start. Because I want, you know, kids need to be in a competitive situation, okay? Nobody will fully comprehend the athletic events that we we would have be that from racquetball tournaments like one v one of 320 pound dudes up there that could take a weight room staff guy that weighed 150 and that guy thought he was quick as as a whip and then we would dust him we would embarrassingly <laughs> send them out and be like send the next one in because they can come get it too but that that piece of athleticism, I think is what miss, I think that's just lacking a little bit. Okay. There's a very simple 
easy cure to it and everybody will roll their eyes but anybody that's a parent that's listening to of a kid that i've worked with i tell them that there's going to be some equipment they're going to buy i'm like the good part about it, it will change the direction of your offensive line or defensive line player's life the best part for you parent is that it takes it's four bucks and it takes no instruction can i guess what it, it is to jump rope so oh, go ahead yeah, i was gonna guess jump <laughs> rope. yeah it's a jump rope because if you can get in there and you can skip, you've never seen a slow-footed boxer. Right, yeah. You've never seen a slow-footed MMA guy. And those wackadoos do with no shoes on. But if you can get to the point where you can skip rope and your quick twitch muscle fibers start to actually be quick twitch muscle fibers, now you become a different player. And so if they want you to pull around a corner, now you look as if you're Will Shields gliding on you want to see beautiful go find some 92 91-ish 92-ish nebraska film watch will shields pull it's it's an effortless athleticism from a, a huge man that has bad intentions when he arrives <laughs> and so those little things of athleticism we got in a, in a rut there for a while where we were lifting at nebraska and we wanted to see if we could take 800 pounds up and down it's an awesome feat of strength but in that, if I go down really slow and I come up really slow on the field, that's probably going to be really slow. And so hopefully that you, know, you get into some more of these explosive things. I really like, really like the strength coach. He's got a deep ass gravelly voice. Everything about him says strength coach. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, but in another year, I think you're going to start to see like those kind of changes. Physically, we already saw some physical changes in him year one. Year two, I think you're going to see some athleticism changes where they look different as athletes, move a little more fluid. I think at times we look a little choppy. We do get top-heavy, meaning we get our, our nose out past our toes when we're trying to block. We're easy to pull through. Uh, the correction for that, you know, is everybody thinks this is a chest. I'm going to bench press that guy off me. It's actually your, your most valuable muscle in blocking for the offensive line are your lap muscles. Because if I can get my lat muscles engaged, then I can I can just lock myself out. We call it a C position. If you've ever watched the world's strongest man when they lift the Atlas stones, they get them up to their knees, they get them up to their chest, but they're in a C spine. That's the strongest position the human body can be in is a C spine. And so my little guys that, that I work out with in the summer, we get them to C spine fast. Two steps, C spine lockout, move your feet. Away we go. The bigger guys, we've got a little bit more ability to push and shove. And then once we get some push back, then we'll lock out with a C-spine and, and stagnate any any movement, as we like to say. But those are things that are all correctable. Um, I also think simplification of the system. Yeah. Yep, yep. Anytime on a football field, if you have to, to think, it, it's, it's not going to go well. We had two schemes at Nebraska that we ran the majority of the time. Uh, we had inside zone and outside zone, which were just simply if, if, if I'm covered, I have somebody on me, I'm going to stretch base. So I'm going to take a lateral step to the right or left. My next step is going to split the defender's crotch and I'm going to get my hands on him. I'm going to run my feet. The other guy with me in the inside zone, he's going to stretch double. He's going to take a 45 degree angle step toward me. And then he's going to give me one hand help. And we're both going to watch that linebacker behind the defensive lineman. We're going to try to take that defensive lineman to the linebacker. The other one is outside zone, very similar concept. We're going to lateral step, and we're, but we're going to rip 
or I'm through the outside shoulder of the defender to get up to the second level. The guy that's working with me, we'll just, I move to my left there. He's on my left side. He's going to pull toward me and he's not going to make contact with that defensive lineman until his left shoulder hits the defensive lineman's left shoulder. So now we were creating some outside space. We had those two schemes, but there was probably 15, 16 different play calls that they would use in that. There's two, there's four things we have to remember, but there's 16, 18 plays. Yeah. So that's, that was the cool part about it. Like, move wherever you want, Holmes. <laughs> you, you can shift. You can do whatever you need to. If I'm viewing you as covered and my guy next to me is viewing you as covering me, you're going to get it. We're going to try to hurt you. It's going to be fun for us, not so much for you. <laughs> but when you keep the scheme simple, now you, you see them think sometimes. It's it diminished quite a bit, and I tip my hat to Riola and everything they've done. Um, I think as they continue to evolve and, and simplify that system, I think you'll see some of the guys that are there currently be look a little different. And then I'm super excited to see some of the young guys, the sledge kid, um, He's he's good. The Knutson kid out of Scotts Bluff probably needs to, to work on the agility stuff, but he is a big man. He has quick feet. Now he needs to learn how to use those quick feet, but he's he's got a he's he's one that you're happy he's on your team because he's he's a fresh prick. Like you don't like opponents. <laughs> he sent our little running back from Scott yeah. <laughs> into a snow hill. <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. I was like, that oh man. And the ref kind of by default called a personal foul. And I was like, eh, I'm not sure that just wasn't science. Like that was a big mass hitting a small mass inbounds and our dude went flying. So they excited yeah. for that. And, and, you know, evolution, they got to just keep moving on and left foot in front of right foot and get better every day. Yeah. Matt, Matt Owens, as a former lineman, are you fully aroused right now? I am fully, <laughs> fully aroused. Some, some real talk right there. And and it, you know what? That's that stuff's really easy. Like 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 you said, Matt, you don't want to make line play too complicated. I mean, nope. you said it perfectly. When, the, when those guys are frothing at the mouth and you know, you start getting four, five, six, a pop, just keep going. Those guys love that stuff. Just let let the big boys eat. You feel you're the reason, right? And, and everybody wants to be. Everybody wants to be a part of it. And for Lyman, it's your. You know, if you if you if you're on TV, one of two things has happened: you've either held somebody or you've scored. And you'd much <laughs> rather be at the scoring part. But those simple things translate still to this day. We we use it at Scott uh, Matt Hoskinson on his little. Uh, his youngest son, Jake the Snake, they just won their championship. He he calls them boom booms, but they they still do the boom boom two step double teams. I try to preach it to my kids. I'm like, listen, I love you all to death. Ain't not a one of you tough, and I don't think you've ever been in a fight. So what I'm going to do is give you an advantage in a fight. We're going to try to put two guys against one, and I feel we got a better chance. And if his buddy wants to jump in later, one of you can jump off and try to get him. So. <laughs> that's it, it it resonates they they get it they giggle but it's it works still to this day absolutely that outstanding insight from from somebody who's uh, who's done it before and, and done it well guys we're going to pivot really quickly here uh and then we can wrap up one you know one one final thing probably won't be super controversial or anything um what <laughs> 
I want to talk about the quarterback situation for a moment. And Matt Verzal, I completely agree with what you said about the team being ahead of schedule. But now here mm-hmm. we are. At, here we are at five and four. And I firmly believe that Coach Rule, and I'm sure he's feeling this, I think the, the team needs to do whatever they can to find one more win. And whether, you know, obviously, of course, they're going to try to win every game. You have to get to that bowl game. I think you get to six and six even. You know, we're not winning the West in that scenario, but everybody's happy and everybody's excited when, come December when everybody's playing in a bowl game and we are too. Right. I just think you have to do whatever you need to do to get to that bowl game. Love Heinrich Harburg. We call him William Wallace on this program. He's an absolute freaking warrior. Um, but he's obviously not a finished product yet. I want to put it to the to the group here, to all of you. Is it time? Do we rethink Jeff Sims? I know that you know, after the per- per- no. week. Purdue week, maybe we don't want to say that. Or is it time to give Chubba Purdy a look? You know, Rule said, I can't remember when it was. I'm 99% sure Rule said Purdy was probably a little bit ahead of Harburg. And uh, if he hadn't been hurt at the time of the Sims injury, it probably would have been Purdy and not Harburg. And so, look, the guy was a big time recruit he's a four-star recruit out of high school um he's, he went to florida state right right um the guy's got to have some tools do we think about chuba do we think about changing things up here um what do you guys think about that oh i i think tj i mean if we we got on sims right because he was a turnover machine the first two games but like look at look at the numbers and look at the games I mean, I, I love I love Harburg, and I think he, I think he is a warrior, but he's turning the turning the ball over a lot, um, and yeah, per, I mean Purdy was like a I don't say what you will about recruiting ratings and all that stuff, but he was a four star quarterback. He went to Florida State. This isn't like we're we're going to be plugging in a true freshman here who's never played big time college football. Um, you know, granted he hasn't seen a ton of game action, but he's he's practiced a lot at florida state and nebraska and and you know you'd think he's got some pretty good uh looks and competition in all these practices he's been in you know hundreds of practices over the last few years um i don't know i i really don't i wish i could say yeah you got to go with purdy but you don't you also it seems like the guys uh on the line and the team it seemed to at least from body language and things like that seem to battle with harburg um but I don't know. I, I I don't think it would hurt to try out Purdy, but I don't know if that's the route you want to take, if that makes any sense. What I said before was, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And we were winning with Harburg up until this last game. And so my point was, people kept arguing, well, we need to bring Sims back. Well, last game, we saw what happened when we brought Sims back. But what I will say is, Purdy, um, I mean, this this is for all common fans out there. We know who his brother is. I mean, the man plays in the NFL. He comes from a family of seasoned quarterbacks. And what I've learned is that Brock Purdy, they call him bot Purdy. They think he's AI. They don't think he's human. (laughs) So if we're going down that road right now, I think that we need to start Purdy for the next game because 
with the way things are going right now, I'm going to start siding with the machines. We need AI on our side. <laughs> oh, I want Purdy in the game. Give him to me next week. That's my decision. Well, Geoff, judging by your performance in fantasy football, I'm not sure don't, how don't, equipped don't. you are to speak on this matter. <laughs> Roster management, yeah. <laughs> uh, Mr. Burzal, what are your thoughts on this? So the thing that, about being ahead of schedule that's great is that you can take advantage of that. You can really build on it, gain momentum, all those fun things. You also, though, in this, as long as communication from the head coach or the position coach is very clear, Heinrich, you've done a great job. You've gotten us to this point. The first misfire. Okay, because I'm going to treat you like a man. You, you've done this in a, in a manly fashion. The first misfire with not protecting the football in this game against Maryland, somebody else is coming in because we just yeah. can't risk the ball not being in our possession. If that's the conversation that's had and everybody's good with that and everybody gets that, then then you can have at it. But, but I don't see... I don't see an issue if the ball is given away to change because it's the what we were preached about that the, was the issue with Anthony Grant. And by the way, they probably need to back off him a little bit. A lot going on. Rough go of life, so let's maybe add a boy instead of, hey, stop fumbling. Now, he's helped with that by not being on time and stuff, but you know, let's figure out a happy medium and let's get – really good football player but as long as you communicate that very well and everybody knows then that's i think that's more than fair more, more than enough rope has been given mm -hmm. um i wouldn't be surprised if you did see something like that happen in this because the clock's ticking you got three hope right left, so Let's not miss an opportunity to get 15 extra practices. Get yourself into an area where you may not have a hotbed of recruiting. And then you can open up your, your practices to all the local coaches. Say, hey, come watch us. Come see, come meet our guys. Come see what we do. You may have a kid on the team. You may like what we see. You might not have somebody for us now. But if we build that relationship with you, now we're into a new area. And we'll chat every now and then. I think Foley does a great job of that just locally making sure he's reaching out to everybody. But that's the value of that bowl game. 15 extra practices, new relationships, new areas of town, towns you're in that you may not have connections in. But the way they build relationships, they, they do a nice job of that. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind them out with the Nebraska brand on their gear and, and them. It's, it's a big one. You want to get that. You want to get that sixth win. I like I said to me, they must win. Yeah, leave, leave no yeah. more doubt to it. Don't think, oh, there's next week. Think, no, there's tomorrow. There's the day after that. There's two more days after that. There's another day after that, and then it's Saturday, and that's our opportunity. Yeah, and that's when we go get after it. So yeah. that's yeah. hopefully the mindset they have. The, the other benefit to a bowl game is the potential for an all expenses paid trip to Sheboygan. So everyone, need, <laughs> everyone needs to keep that in mind. Yeah. It's hey, been I'll tell you this legit though. I'll tell you this legit, wherever, if it happens, wherever they go, you better warn them people that they're hosting 
and just say, listen, they got six <laughs> years worth of money saved up. Yeah, right. Yeah. Stock up, up on the bush light. Yeah. <laughs> sell out the stadium, then fence off the parking lot. And if you're going to charge 20, charge 60. <laughs> Put up some big screens, you'll fill that too. You're about to make more money than you ever thought you could. <laughs> they've been Absolutely. waiting for a while. They've wanted this bad. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, that, that's been a running theme on this show is that any bowl game, I don't care if it's December 14th at 10 o'clock in the morning, it, it, give me that sixth win in a bowl game and we are dancing in the streets, baby. Uh, all right, real quick, guys. It is Maryland week coming up. Who knows with Maryland? I, I agree with you, Matt Verzal, that we need every game for the next three weeks is basically there is no tomorrow. You know, Maryland started off five and zero. Oh, they're now five and four. Two of those losses have been to Ohio State and Penn State, uh, some pretty good teams, but they also lost to Illinois and Northwestern, two teams that Nebraska beat. Um, so it's hard to know a couple things that jump out to me, guys. First of all, a bit of a concern to me as they're a real pass heavy team. So, uh, uh, Iloa, the, the starting quarterback at Maryland, he's to his younger brother. He's number one in passing in the big 10, uh, almost 2,500 yards passing on the year. Maryland is number three in total yards in the big 10 and number two in passing yards per game. So that defense has been outstanding as we discussed. If there's one area where maybe they've been, uh, you know, they've they've left a little bit to be desired. Perhaps it is in the past. It is in past defense. They've been dominant when it comes to the to the run game. Maybe a little less so in the passing game. So that's a bit of a concern. Um, and then I was just looking at this guys in their losses to Illinois and Northwestern. Illinois scored 27 points. Northwestern scored 33 points. So. Uh, mm -hmm. Illinois won 27-24, Northwestern won 33-27. So both those defenses gave up, you know, 24 and 27 points. Um, we're probably going to have to find a way, even if the defense plays pretty well again, all, all this is pointing to saying we can beat Maryland, but we're going to have to score some points to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I, you know what, I think uh, I, I'm looking at the box score from, and I know it's Penn State, and Penn State's probably the third best team in the entire Big Ten right now. Uh, but they got to Talia six times. They sacked him six times. I think we got to get to him. They, Maryland had negative, if I'm seeing this correctly, let's take the sacks into account, negative 49 yards rushing. Um, <laughs> their, their leading rusher had four yards, one carry for four yards. They ran it 16 times only. Um we get to we get to Talia, we sack him. Maybe we got to have a defensive score, a pick six, or a scoop and score. Um, but that's the way it's got to be. That's our team right now, and I think I think we'll get it done. Anybody so want to venture? Uh, yes, Jeffrey. I'm, I'm just hoping I was wrong. So I picked us to lose the Maryland game, but I also picked us to beat Michigan State. So I feel like I'll just flip flop on this one because I was wrong on the other one. So hopefully I'm wrong on this one. So I'm going to go with the Huskers on this one and just say. Just judging by the scores I've seen when I was looking that up there, I would say, I mean, God, I'm going to say Huskers 21, Maryland, I'm going to go 10. Whoa. All right. I love yep. it. I love it. Um, this is this is a good time. Just brief side note. This is a good time. You know, we're, we're, we're honest with our with our listeners here. And so this is a good time to remind folks, all three common fans did predict wins 
at the midseason review, we predicted wins over um, Northwestern, Purdue, and Michigan State. So we're two for three right now. Um, we did record the very first episode the day after the Michigan game. So since the advent of the Common Fan Podcast, the Huskers are still three and one. So you know, still yes, pretty sir. good, still pretty good vibes flowing here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to predict a Husker win too. Uh, I think we all pick this as a loss in the uh, midseason review, but I'm probably just going to pick every game for the rest of the year to be a win at this point. Um, <laughs> but don't you only- think? Don't you think, TJ? Don't you think our our perception of Maryland has changed a lot too? Since yeah, we recorded that, even, I mean, even the, since a few they haven't ago. Yeah. they haven't been lighting the world on fire the last since you know since we made those predictions. No, um, that's exactly so that, right. That that big time comes into play when, when you know with. I mean, and they really. I, I mean, look, I was looking at their schedule before the Michigan State game. They they beat three cupcakes in the non-conference, and then when they started off five and zero, and then they beat Michigan State and Indiana. So before the Michigan State game, I said to myself, "Well, Michigan State's terrible. Indiana's terrible." Then we lose to Michigan State and Indiana beats Wisconsin. So I don't, I don't know. That's just typical. Who the hell knows? Typical Big Ten stuff for you, right? Yeah. Um, but it's not. I mean, they got rolled by Ohio State. They got rolled by Penn State. They got beat by Northwestern and Illinois. So I'm going to pick a win as well. Ohio State and Penn State are the only two teams to keep them under 20 points. So I'll pick that the Huskers keep them right at 20. But this time we figure something out on the offensive side. I'll say Huskers win 24-20. Okay. Do either of the either of the mats want to venture a score prediction? I was gonna say 24-20, but since you just said that, um, I'm gonna go uh I'll go 24-17, Huskers. Okay. You know, my wife always orders something different than I do, and then my food comes to the table and she says, I wish I would have just ordered that. And I always say, You could just order the same thing. It's okay. So you can predict the same thing, Matt. It's okay. 24-17. All right, Mr. Verzal. Well, with the old school remember the orange bowl number 2417 well done um there you go i i'm not good at the numbers thing i don't care if it's four to three um i just want to win so i i do think you see nebraska even i don't see them playing two kind of subpar games back to back um i i think they will win like i said i don't care if it's by 20 or by one I'm not, I, I, I fail miserably at the numbers game. It just, I'm Al Davis on this thing. Just win, baby. Whatever yeah. it is, whatever the number may be. Autumn just win. get out there and play, be- play better than you did last week and, and go out and win the game. Get yourself boils or bowling. Send your seniors out probably the way that they deserve to be sent yeah. out after all the hell they've been through. So, Love it. Love it. So we're going to hold you to four to three Huskers. That's what we're going to hold you to. How awesome would that be? That would be great. All right, Common fans. One more. That's an eat eat your heart out Iowa win right there. (laughs) Four to three. That would be a That runner is going to be about 17 for the Iowa game. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm taking the under. Uh, One more time, Common fans. Follow the podcast on your streaming platform of choice. Uh, please follow us on Twitter and engage with us on Twitter at common fan GBR. One final thing there. We did put out a um, really important. We had a, a really important initiative that we put out on Twitter this week, which was a change.org posit- p- petition to save Brian Ferentz's job. And so <laughs> look, we're just out here trying to save a man's job. There's nothing more to it. And you know, that, that petition is still live. So all common fans should check it out. Um, and, and get behind saving Brian Ferentz's job. This is a man's job after all. 
Um, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Email us at commonfangbr at gmail.com. Fellas, any final thoughts? Uh, just really, really, I, I hate the sour taste in my mouth from the game yesterday. Um, I think I'm going to be even more excited uh, for this game next Saturday against Maryland now. So I, I can't wait. I don't want, I don't want to wish time away, but I kind of hope this week flies by. Defense Absolutely. is going to be ripping people's heads off this next week. I guarantee it. Absolutely. It. Love it. Mr. Verzal, thank you so much for joining us. Any, yeah, thanks, any, man. Final, any final thoughts from you, sir? No, boys, just keep the pod going and keep Nebraska fans lively. Be loud at the game. Saturday, let's get a win so everybody can take a little vacation and go bowling. Yeah, Love it. hell yeah. Can't wait. We'll see you at the Vandalay Industries Bowl in Sheboygan. Um, as Lovely always, friends, time of year. <laughs> thank you for listening, fellow Common fans. GBR for life.